Hi, I'm Franny and you're listening to Into the World podcast, a light-hearted conversational podcast about all things birth and motherhood. Each week I speak to a different parent about their experiences, hopefully have a bit of a laugh and often a cry along the way. I hope you enjoy these stories. The following episodes have been recorded while the world is in quarantine, yet about to start opening up. So I hope you're all safe and well. I hope you're all managing at home. I know it's been very difficult and I just wanted to give everybody listening a virtual hug because if parenthood isn't hard enough, being trapped inside definitely doesn't make it easier. And I know it's giving lots of people some really quite intense challenges. So my heart goes out to everybody listening. This podcast is kindly brought to you by Rascal and Friends Premium Diapers. I have been using Rascal and Friends for quite some time now, so I've tested out everything from the diapers to the training pants um, to their wipes. I really love their new sensitive wipes. All of my kids have extremely sensitive skin. Um, They're particularly absorbent and thick and luxurious in feel. Uh, They're hypoallergenic, pH balanced and fragrance free. Um, The diapers, the things I particularly love is the high-waisted waistband, so blowouts are fewer and further between. Um, I love that they don't have that weird meshy bit that you get in a lot of other brands that kind of contain the moisture. Rascal & Friends has quite the opposite. It's a very soft feel to them. It almost feels like a soft face cloth. And even when they're completely wet, it still keeps all of that moisture in. The training pants, I really like the feature that they rip at the side, so they're really easy to get off if you have had an accident in the training pants. And it also has a little tab so you can very nicely roll them up and keep everything nicely contained in there. If you live here in Canada, you can find Rascal and Friends at Walmart. And if you live in the UK, you can find them at Tesco's. And I'm sure there's lots of other places you can find them if you're listening from elsewhere. If you want to find out more about Rascal and Friends, you can go follow them or at Rascal and Friends on Instagram or Rascal and Friends CA on Facebook or www.rascalandfriends.ca. I truly believe that if you try them, you will not turn back to another brand. And I'd really love to hear about your experiences with Rascal and Friends and whether you like them. So go give them a try and happy listening. This week I spoke to Aaliyah. Aaliyah is a mum of three, a doula, a hypnobirther, a kids yoga instructor, essential oils educator and general spreader of joy as she so very nicely puts it. You will no doubt here from this conversation what an infectiously positive energy um, Aaliyah has. We initially wanted to start this chat several months back about her three home births in the wake of um, a conversation I'd had on the radio and how we need to talk more about positive birthing experiences 
but as timing would have it our chat didn't happen until just this last week the night before blackout tuesday before either of us in fact were aware that blackout tuesday would be taking place as a black woman i wanted to ask alia how race has affected her experience as a mother and how she is doing right now i appreciate how open and honest and compassionate she was in this conversation with me and how she leads from a place of kindness and positivity although i will know i don't I don't feel that she had to do those things. I just wanted to say how grateful I am that she was so patient and kind with me. I thoroughly enjoyed her point of view, education on birth, essential oils and much more. It almost made me want to have another baby just to have another birth, but not quite enough. (laughs) I hope you guys are staying safe and well and I wanted to share a virtual hug to the black community and my black listeners to say how very sorry I am for the trauma you're experiencing right now and on a day-to-day basis. I want to be part of the change the world really needs to see right now. I hope I can use my privilege and this platform in particular to allow black women and people of colour to feel heard within, within the birthing experience. However, I am learning and always, always open to feedback. So do please tell me if there's something I'm not doing or something I'm doing wrong. With all that being said, I hope you're safe and well and virtual hug to everybody because I know that right now things are very hard for so many people for varying reasons. Anyway, happy listening. Lots of love from me. Oh, and lots of love from Bodhi too. His aeroplane is not shutting. So let's start maybe by talking a little bit a bit about who you are as a person and sort of life before kids. Or maybe you can also talk to like what you do now, like birth work, doula, and all of your essential oil stuff. Like, yeah, just tell us about Aaliyah. Okay. <laughs> Outside of motherhood. <laughs> Outside of motherhood. Wow. Okay, let me take a minute to get in touch with her. <laughs> <laughs> right oh my gosh sometimes as a mum I think you're like who am I what I know that's and again I just get called mum all day it's so true well I would say before kids I'll stay start there I was um in the buying office at Holt Renfrew okay I was very much into the fashion scene and um had gone to school for fashion and business and was working as a buyer at the Holt Renfrew in the Holt Renfrew buying office at that time there was no other luxury department stores in Canada. So there was no competition. Oh, nice. If you wanted to be in that industry, that's where you were. And mm-hmm. um, that was very much my passion there. I was kind of up and coming in that whole arena. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then since then, you've gone on to be a doula, haven't you? And you do, um, am I right in thinking you do meditation and um, you're a doTERRA rep as well? exactly yes I'd say you know from someone who enjoys lots of those things um they're all sort of combined in like a holistic approach I would imagine well yeah and that was that's kind of the idea of it Mm -hmm. is that it's sort of like a one-stop shop for women so they start with me when they're um maybe before even pregnancy Mm -hmm. before going into motherhood with the meditation and the yoga so really starting to come into a spiritual understanding of their own mm-hmm. and tapping into um, that sort of that source energy that they can tap into or with essential oils, integrating that into their self-care routine. 
do you often use that then um if someone comes to you sort of wanting to get pregnant they sort of start with you then and you follow them through perhaps to birth when you're a doula with them do you often do like the whole all the way through mm-hmm, absolutely that's definitely an option that's there in the essential oils there's many that can help with supporting in the various different types of fertility whether there are you know there's fertility issues there or just wanting to um, support fertility mm-hmm. then there are very different very um there are different prototypes that you can delve into with that so yeah for sure that's an arena we can start in for sure sometimes yeah clients find me is through that okay um and so what would you say you do most of in terms of like your business side would do you do more essential oils or do you do more birth work because i know that you have three girls so i'm sure you're very busy (laughs) i know well i do um I do mostly my doTERRA business, my essential oils is mm-hmm. what I'm really, really building right now. So mm-hmm. I'm finding that that is sort of the love language that threads through all of my offers. So yeah. my services that I include as a meditation and yoga st- instructor, I use essential oils in that practice. I use essential oils as a birth attendant, as a doula, as a maternity specialist, as a hypnobirthing yeah. um, educator. It really threads through all of those different as well as as a mom, I'm using essential oils daily with the girls, with myself, with coping emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally. So essential oils for sure is my focus. And um, with this whole sort of COVID-19 issue where everyone's cooped up at home, is there anything that you've been using in this period for coping and well, not in just this period, I suppose, like speaking to um, like most recently with the, Black Lives Matter movement going on right now I guess that's even more amplified because I feel like this week has almost been very easy to forget COVID-19 is even happening like mm-hmm. like life has just been changed and taken up a notch so how are you um well how are you coping firstly and secondly um how are you using the essential oils to help like yeah. are they part of your toolkit they're absolutely a part of my toolkit. And thank you for asking how I'm coping. It's a really day by day thing. I think, um, as you mentioned, I'm really feeling the climate of recent publicized events in terms of black lives in the US and it's not, um, it, you know, Canada's not exempt from it. It happens here as well. Yeah. I think there's something about the recent accounts that have come up that are really, um, I think maybe because we're in quarantine, there's a pandemic, we're so vulnerable. Our eyeballs are on screens more than ever. Mm-hmm. We are, you know, yeah, like we're always, we're just vulnerable right now. Our, our guards are down. We don't, we have no direction as to how long this pandemic is going to go on for. And then on top of that, we have this political racial um, disturbance that's going on. So I think already we're just at a place of trying to cope and then you get blasted with these um, human rights issues that are just crippling, uh, like absolutely crippling. And as a black woman who grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood and has, you know, my favorite, some of my favorite and closest people are white. And, you know, um, I've never really spoken about race or politics for that matter. Um, I've always felt sort of that because I'm good and because I've been so blessed and I'm so privileged in my own ways mm-hmm. that 
I just, I wasn't as aware of the issues that are going on as, as I am now. Yeah. And so I feel like there's double, like it's a double fold in that, like one being having privileges and being aware of that. And then two being of the race that's being, um, that has such mistreatment. Yeah. And such an injustice being, is that right? Like it's just, it feels, I was wondering if, because I feel like this and it's it's nothing to do with me um and my a, a race or like it's not you know my issue although I think you're very right in saying it's a human rights issue but it's not affecting me personally as a white middle middle-aged middle-class woman um with privilege on top of that um but I feel like everyone as a collective was at like their ebb I felt like before this week we was all like something good needs to happen like we all need to be let out a bit more we need some sunshine we need something and instead like the opposite has happened so mm-hmm. I don't know maybe that is all culminating to I don't know um really hurt the collective or at least I hope it's hurting the collective because yeah and I think it, it's happening on both sides I mean it, it is an issue that affects you because mm-hmm. like you it's not you that is creating the injustices on this at this massive level but you belong to the race that is creating the injustices so just the same as like it's not directly impacting me in the sense that I'm not the one who's at the mercy or at the hands of like I'm not concerned about my life right now but I'm a part of a race that's being targeted and discriminated against so I we both have vested interest in that in terms of educating ourselves of what that looks like from both sides what it looks like is people who want and see a united nation and a united um human like a human race right I think um we all we're all invested in this and we all have a part to play in it I think that there is um, overt racism and then there's covert racism right and on a covert level there are things just as like not not diversifying our exposure to things going to movies that don't only tell one depict one storyline reading books that only depict one type of people um, buying toys that only one way like we can all do better we can all do small things that create an environment of diversity to integrate that for our children for ourselves you know ask questions do a little bit more digging like looking into authors that are black or brown looking into playwrights that are black or brown you know like just starting to look for information yeah I can definitely say I'm guilty of that and I think you know um well as you know but like maybe not everybody else does that um well obviously I'm white I have grown up in a privileged middle class predominantly white area my whole life um I've lived in central London and I've lived in downtown Toronto, but like I currently reside like yourself in an almost predominantly white area. So I've ended up sort of staying in those areas by coincidence or, you know, my parents chose those areas and it was just where I was living as a child. But I think you indirectly as a result for myself, I've surrounded myself or been surrounded through default by mostly whiteness. So when you go to do something, or even when I started out with this uh, podcast and I'd be like, oh, you know, who wants to do it? And I'd call upon my friends. It then just becomes your friendship circle. And then when you look back um, and you've done something quite innocently, you're like, actually, I haven't really thought about or I haven't thought about what I'm looking at all the time. And essentially it's whitewashed. And then because of that, you then go pick up a book and it's more likely to be by a white author or, a white 
um, children's book author or whatever. Um, and then like nothing becomes integrated. So yeah, you're right. Um, that's something I personally am working on and thinking about for my kids. Cause I think as a mother, we owe, I owe that to my children to teach them because I don't think, well, I know my parents aren't racist, but I don't think they taught me how to be unracist. Does that make sense? Yes. Anti-racist um, is a big. Um, so, and that didn't get us anywhere because look where we are now. And not to say that I'm at fault personally, or I, I believe I've tried to be in any way, but I've also not done any of the undoing either. So um, if no one does any more undoing, then we're going to be back here in another 30 years when my kids are my age, you know? So, um, yeah, it's definitely, um, I think it's going to be a big time for change and I really hope that that's the case. Um, mm -hmm. and I hope that I can be part of that as a mother and hopefully as part of this podcast, um, I think it's a really easy way that I can diversify storytelling. So, mm. um, and also the other thing I thought would be really nice is also hearing from like a birth worker, hearing from a doula, because you must work with lots of different people and different um, backgrounds as well. And I think that's also important because I don't always get the narrative from somebody who sees birth as much as they've done it themselves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Other than me, because I think I'm four births deep now, but um, totally done. <laughs> but yeah, right. it's... Um, Oh, yeah, I think just right now, this is a really intense time, isn't it? So mm. um, I'm glad you're doing okay, but mm. I'm, I'm no. sorry. <laughs> well, I really appreciate your honesty and I feel like I can relate to you on so many of the, the aspects that you said. I think it's interesting because we can have such similar um, upbringings and exposures to things and yet you're a white woman and I'm a black woman. And so that in of itself sort of creates a different story, right? Just because of that nature. So all different things create our own unique um, ways of showing up in the world. And that happens to be one of them, but this, but the same as you, I'm exposed more to pop culture and what's represented in pop culture looks one way. So that's mm -hmm. for me also to do some delving and looking and, you know, really diversify my own palette mm -hmm. and to recognize that I've normalized being the other in a room. I've normalized not seeing people like me represented in storylines or that it's not the go-to um, narrative or the, you know, the authors are not readily available that I too have to do the digging and the searching myself if, if that's of interest to me. And if I want the narrative to change and the dialogue to change, I love pop culture. I love, um, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of all of those things as well, but I think in terms of greater change, um, we, we do all have a role to play and a responsibility to seek after. Yeah. And I think to, to demand that change of the people that have the ability to do it, like um, somebody pointed out to me today that like, you know, you have to think about where you're spending your money and what you're watching on Netflix because it creates more of the same, but also saying, I think calling out companies and saying, Hey, look, there's no representation in this TV show or, whatever it is or particularly for me I've been thinking about you know um kids cartoons or like mm -hmm. things that your kids are always exposed to that now I'm thinking I've got to explain to them look this shouldn't be like this 
or I've got to ask someone to do better um, mm-hmm. one or the other or you've got to go delving for the things that do already exist yeah and we have like a lot of I'll show you um, even I know you're not gonna be able to see this but we have a ton of books like like something that I think we have done well is just having shelves oh yeah yeah bookshelves just books that so this is I'm showing you Little Red and the very hungry lion. So this is the story about Little Red Riding Hood and then the main character just happens to be a person of color. So it has nothing to do with a story of strife or difficulties, it's just a story and she has happens to be a person of color. There's um, oh, nice stories by, yeah, by rebel girls and in here yeah. there's a diversification of the contributions of females um, in the world you know, that have done various different things. There are we have this one, Meet Viola Desmond, mm-hmm. which again goes into her story. And then, you know, Little, little Leaders, um, I Like Myself. Like, oh, just, yeah. yeah. This one's Mary Had a Little Glam. <laughs> How good is that? Um, and then we have, yeah. As, as a mother, though, um, how does this situation make, make you feel with children who are mixed race? How, how does that? sit with you because I know you said at the beginning like I don't worry about my life but do you Mm -hmm. worry for them if I'm honest I don't I don't have a concern about their safety in the world or their opportunities I I really believe that um that they will have every opportunity in the world I believe that we are bringing them away and bringing up in such a way that they have this inner confidence we also have a strong I have a strong spiritual practice as well and an understanding that on some levels this is all an illusion not meaning to discredit the importance of it but there's something deeper that we can return to which gives us which defines us like an external physical attribute never could and I think instilling that in the girls knowing that they have a place that they can go in within it has nothing to do with external validation it's all about an internal journey Um, I think is the strength that my parents instilled in us. So though at my home, they didn't talk about race. My parents are both from Guyana and it's very multicultural there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of um, mixed race within both sides of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so for them, I don't know if they just didn't see it as an issue or if they weren't broaching it for whatever reason. I, I think a lot of people can sort of relate that it just wasn't a topic for us but what what they did do though was instill in us a strong spiritual belief and i think that's really carried me and my three sisters through all of adversity knowing and remembering that our worth our worth doesn't come from anything external at all it's all an inside job we're connected to something that's deeper than that and and that's very powerful i think to well just to hear you say but knowing um the majority of your sisters i've met your elder sister just once but um your other two sisters are good friends of mine and yeah like all of you have like this kind of infectiously positive energy and I was talking to Quinn uh, your youngest sister who's a good friend of mine just the other day and she was saying that the thing she misses most about lockdown is like your family's energy mm. so obviously I can we can see people from the car or what however you um you know whatever's available to you at whatever period of lockdown or quarantine or whatever but the energy that you create being around each other and like lifting each other up, she was saying was particularly difficult. So um, from what you said, I'm imagining that this is hard for that reason too. But 
that that's obviously something that your family has that's really positive that's holding you in good stead I would imagine absolutely and I think it goes back to exposure I think when you I think when you get to know someone the person in front of you you connect to that place that I'm talking about that has nothing to do with an external component right when you when you have that ability to go within and find a trust and a worth that has nothing to do with external circumstances. You meet other people at that space too. And I say that because you then realize that there's way more that connects us than divides us. And I'm speaking about to that energy you're talking about that if you're in a room with anybody for long enough and you're open to their unique circumstances and what they've gone through, you realize that they're a layered human being and to just like, define us by one particular physical attribute is such a disservice to everyone because it's just it just speaks to the lack of getting to know what's underneath that because if you spent time getting to know that person there wouldn't be fear there there would be benefit and connection and love and appreciation Um, and that's been my life so because I've grown up in a predominantly white neighborhood and have had so many real relationships with um, my friends, I, I know them for who they are and they know me at that level as well. So um, I, I guess I address it from that. Sorry? So it's beyond what anybody looks like at that point because you're connected on a deeper level with what I'm understanding you're saying? Do you mean that? Yeah, so... So for, I'm thinking of, you know, a friend who's having difficulty in her marriage or a friend who's having fertility issues or a friend who is exhausted or going through depression or is recently a single mom because she's divorced her, her spouse. Those things are not something that, has, that you see on a level of race. It's just you empathize and you sympathize and you have compassion for what, they're, what their experience is. And the same with me. The things I share with my friends comes from my personal experiences. If I'm feeling insecure or inundated by you know balancing work with with being a mom or having frustrations with having a working husband those are all things they can identify on a level a level of experience as well and it goes beyond it goes beyond our external presentation a little bit like that when it comes to birth because i've had multiple different quite different births and i've obviously spoke to lots of people for the podcast and who've also had very different births but there's always some aspect to every single story where I'm like, oh, I felt that even though I had a different birth or, oh, that kind of happened to me. Or like there were, there's an aspect of, I don't know, there's just been always been a, someone's story where I'm like, oh, this person's had a C-section and I'm, I haven't had a C-section. I'm like, maybe I won't relate. And there's always something and it always surprises me. So I think that really speaks to what you're saying as well. Very well said. Connected somehow. It's just like finding that connection, I suppose. Um, with that being said though, like, did, did you always know you wanted to have kids? Was that something you just was always thinking about or was there like a point in your life where you're like, I'm ready to be a mother now? I wasn't always, no, I wanted to be a mom person. You wasn't? No, me neither. No, I always knew. Oh, you always knew. Oh, I'm the opposite. I went through a phase of pure denial and then (laughs) went right the other way. (laughs) I was backwards. I was like, I'm made to be a mom. And now I'm like, the challenges of parenthood are real now. But it was like, (laughs) right? Like the idea of it though, I always knew that I wanted to be a mom. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to have that experience. Even since I was a babysitter at age 14, I was like this, I will, I'm going to be a mom. You know, or I, or even before that, I would just play games of 
having my dolls and I would be the mom and I would take care of them. And yeah, so that was just oh, always... the school mummies and daddies game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. I remember that well. Um, and you were saying that um, you fell pregnant very soon after you got married. Yes, I did. I did get was that something you were surprised by? Like, was you excited? Um, I know, obviously, you said you always knew you wanted to be a mum, but how did that play out? Like, how did you feel when you fell pregnant? I was I was shocked. We had decided that after we got married, we wouldn't be safe anymore because we wouldn't use protection because we were um, entertaining the idea of being parents. We knew we wanted to be parents, but I didn't know it would happen that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had no idea. Yeah, um, it would be a honeymoon baby. <laughs> so I think that, yeah, I, I mean, conceptually, I always knew I wanted to be a mom, but then the experience of it came um, way quicker than I anticipated that it would have. So um, I thought I would be a newlywed for longer than I was, but I quickly um, adapted to the idea that in, you know, 10 months after being married, I was going to have this little, little bundle of joy. Mm -hmm. um, and did you did you have any highs or lows or um I'm just imagining getting pregnant on my honeymoon and thinking it must have been a bit, been a bit of a whirlwind yeah a bit of a whirlwind yeah like one minute you're married the next minute you are pregnant with child almost exactly and exactly I, ha I had been in a relationship with um my husband like we've been dating for years prior to getting married so I think it felt like a long courtship in that regard yeah um because we'd had so much time before getting mm -hmm. married together so in that way it, it was a, a quick because we went from that and then 21 months after our 22 months after our first we had our second and then 20 months 21 months after our second we had our third so it was like bam 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 it was like marriage first second third all within so did you have them all within like four years then Oh, same as me. That's the same yeah, as you. I just, yeah, I just, well, three and a half. Wow. <laughs> um, well, yeah, the first two were 20, hang on, how many, two years is 24 months, 26, 27 months, and then 14 months. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah so, wow. yeah, that was a surprise, obviously. Um, it turns out that being postpartum and pregnant are very similar experiences. <laughs> postpartum and pregnant yeah like the fourth trimester is very similar to being pregnant at the beginning where I was like yeah it was very weird for me because I actually um kind of started to like get my body back lose weight and like feel really good and then I was like oh I'm three months pregnant it turns out wow <laughs> so, yeah um yeah I don't know like yeah I, I I understand the lots of young children but um I'm living mm -hmm. that right now <laughs> not in the way so yeah three and a half oh yeah three and a half oh no he'll be four in August so more than that now five months and 18 months wow oh my yeah. gosh but you know it's fun and I'm sure all your girls are like great to be around I think people always like to me oh my god but then actually I think it's so much fun it's just extremely intense. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. I feel when they get along, they're at an age now. So mine are nine, seven, and five. Mm -hmm. and when they're getting along, it's the best. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like 
what you envisioned is, you know, you have these, and I have three girls, all girls. So the three girls will play and it's beautiful. But when they get into the rivalry about nothing and everything, mm-hmm. that's torture. That's <laughs> a- absolute torture. <laughs> oh, I can imagine they can all talk too because I might see I'm a rebel. So there's lots of just high pitched screaming. Oh my gosh. And like, and <laughs> what's that? My eldest is very sensitive and Cub, um, who's in the middle, is like, he was born a middle child when there wasn't a third. So, um, okay. Yeah. And yeah, he was just, we was always like, oh my God, he's such a middle child and we haven't even had another baby yet. And then he's like really living it. And yeah, he just wants to basically punch his older brother and he's very like, I'm going to get what I want. And Bodhi's like, no, no, don't touch me. (laughs) It's so textbook birth order. It really is. Like we have a textbook firstborn, textbook middle child, textbook baby. Like text. Really? Yes. And what's your textbook baby like though? My textbook baby is like steal the toy right out of your hand, but with a big giant smile on her face. And Okay, interesting. Yeah. I haven't got there yet. Briar is very much like the angel baby. I do not have know how to turn this noise off on my emails without muting you. Um, maybe that's it. Can, I, can you still hear me? I can. Oh no, can't hear you. Um anyway. Um she is like angelic and so easy and like the baby that you would wish for if you had um a two kids fourteen months apart. You'd right. wish the baby to be like super easy. But I'm curious to know with two older brothers if she's gonna be like mm. I'm gonna get my way with them. If she's just sitting there calmly being like, I'm watching you Payback <laughs> <laughs> hey, is coming. <laughs> oh she's we'll get right in there um, with her yeah, she's we'll get right in there. Bennett like Bennett who is my third my baby she is very um resilient go with the flow but she definitely wants to keep up with the older two oh, and yeah. can keep up with the other two so she kind of came out of the came out of the womb running so to speak uh, being like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be no she has like FOMO so she's like I'm not going to be left out of anything I'm just going to be involved I'm here here, exactly was you a doula before you started um having children or did that come after that came after Mm -hmm. that came as a result of of all three or somewhere along no after um well so after all after my two the two yeah after my first two, I became a doula. And it was um, directly related to the support I received in my own birth from my midwives. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Just wanting other women to be informed and knowing that there were choices in the narrative of, of labor and delivery. Yeah, um, that was just reminding me of um, where we started about talking about this. I know you've had, if you had all three home births. Yes. Um, I've, I've actually only had one, um, which was amazing, but I think we started talking after I'd had, um, slight, um, altercation on the radio (laughs) when they were suggesting that, um, home births were irresponsible and they'd actually gone as far as saying that it's like not vaccinating your children, which is another topic that I'm not getting into, but they were kind of saying, you know, it's so irresponsible and, if you're to do that, then you're kind of risking your child's life and who in their right mind would do that, which mm-hmm. um, 
sent me into a fit of rage <laughs> and I literally called the radio show and went a bit mad. Um, well, I didn't go mad actually. I just kind of called them out on it and uh, was completely met with deaf ears. But um, it sparked a conversation where I think we was like, people need to hear about home birth and mm. hear from like people who've actually had them and like yourself work with people and know, know more about that as well. Um, and having had a home birth and then for me personally, not in not following through on the second time, although I think looking back now, a lot of that spoke to having two other children, no childcare and, um, my son was born at home so quickly. That was half the reason he was born at home was because he came like rushing out in a flurry and I didn't get anywhere. So, um, although I loved my home birth, it just wasn't possible the third time sadly and it just didn't work out but oh, I, I just it's my home birth is still my like favorite birth if mm. um if you will and also I had essential oils not um particularly intentionally my doula brought them with her and um at the beginning I was like oh you know I'm gonna want like proper pain relief here like what is this essential oil gonna do and I was taken aback like I was literally like this stuff is amazing and she put it on um I think cotton wool for me and I was sniffing it like my life depended on it and mm -hmm. I can't express like, how much it really worked for me um both in the um sort of I don't know active birth I guess phase and pushing like mm -hmm. both to like calm myself down to allow the contractions to happen um and then also while I was pushing, or I don't even know if I was pushing, it felt um, intense, but not too um, much like I was doing all that much. But anyway, um, yeah, I, after that, I was like, essential oils are amazing. And somehow they got lost on the way for the third time round. It, I don't know, things just all, it was one of those births where like you have the best laid plans and then like everything else happens. But um what was home birth like for you? Like, what was it about it that made you think I need to do this? Like, I need to work doing this. Um, that I need to do this as a profession, like yeah. help everyone doing this. Well, it was just my experience that when I had had my first daughter and people would ask about my birthing experience, I could tell they actually did not believe me. They thought I was sugarcoating it and that I had rose colored glasses on because it was after and I wasn't remembering correctly. And, and so I really was thinking, Oh, that's interesting. They, there's never been another narrative that any, that a lot of my friends had ever entertained other than the one that's widely popular, popularized of yeah. going into the hospital and, you know, it being a whole to do and, and all that stuff. And so I realized that um, a lot of my closest friends didn't even know what a hypnobirthing, what a hypnobirth was. Mm -hmm. Didn't know what hypnobirthing was. Um, they didn't know what a gentle birth was or a home birth. They didn't. They really just didn't have information on it, and they really just were scaring, um, sharing a lot of um, the well-intended fear-mongering stories that they'd heard from third parties, as they, as people do, right? They just want to share what they've heard, and and I just really wanted to dismantle people's false beliefs about surrounding home births. Mm -hmm. And to know that it's a viable, safe choice, you have to just inform and research it. And so I became passionate about 
just bringing that information to women. And so I became certified as a maternity specialist, meaning my work is prenatal birth and postnatal. So okay. um, support and lactation and lactation support, um, prenatal as well, and creating the birth plan, working with the couple, the family, or the person birthing before, during, and after. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was, that was really the catalyst of it was that there was so much disbelief around the pleasurable home birth that I had had with my firstborn that I thought women just, Oh, sorry. With your, um, with your firstborn, was that something that you really set out to do or did you stumble across hypnobirthing? Like how did that come up for you? Well, that's an, that's a great question. And that actually was, um, a, a big component of me wanting to do the work is that the only reason I had come across such a birth was through my older sister. Okay. Yeah. She had had um, my nephew and had a beautiful home birth and she had this intimate setting. I remember she called us when she was ready to have us over. She had dimly lit room. She was in a dimly lit room with my brother-in-law. There was the three of them cradled. The baby was on her, um, on her body. They were doing skin on skin. There was two other people in the room, birth attendants who were the backup and the primary midwife and there was nothing attached to her there was no cords there was no flashing lights there was no fluorescent lights there wasn't people running in and out um it was just this serene image that i had never seen birth depicted as before ever on television um there was no huffing and puffing it was just really this beautiful image of the three of them gathered together underneath their covers in home in their bed and then she was able to invite and he was able to invite their closest family to join them in the celebration. And I thought, wow, this is when I have a baby, this is what I want it to look like. Yeah. Yeah. So it was exposure. It was firsthand, I suppose. It's not just like if it perhaps been one of your friends and they explain it and you're like, Oh, that sounds nice. But you're like really going in the the moment, which is one super special and it's your sister. So, um, yeah, like I'm not, my sister's never even been in the same country for my birth. So, you know, yeah, that's special, isn't it? I think if you get to be there for um, your, your closest family and stuff. Yeah. And my older sister, I always just copy what she does because she's so, <laughs> she's just so bright and amazing. And she just parted. She's so cool. I follow her as well. She's I'm always so like... <laughs> cool. And she's just such a um, avatar. Like, is that the right word? Like, she's just such a pioneer like she because she's the firstborn so she's the one who's trailblazing for the rest of us I feel and yeah you know, I, I copied her post-secondary school because she went to it like she does the research and then I just follow her I just copy her well that's not about so, things within a family it's not bad so she had done the hypnobirthing the like tried and tested method ahead of you and you're like well let's see if it works out for you and then, <laughs> then I'll go <laughs> totally exactly and it only seems to work out so I'm like okay I'm doing that then um, and so she, sure enough, she had done hypnobirthing with her first and then she had went on to have her home birth and she really was the, the one who exposed me to that. And then again, if it hadn't been for her, and as you said, that intimate firsthand portrayal of such a birth, then I wouldn't have had an idea that there was an, an alternative narrative to what was the norm of pop culture mm-hmm. and what birth is normally depicted as. And again, that created a passion in me to be like, women just need to know about this and then fine, you can choose whatever direction you want to go into. Um, yeah. But just know that there are choices that you can make. I think for me as well, I feel like hypnobirthing should just be the thing that the hospital teaches and then what direction you go in, 
with those tools is up to you. So even if you're like, well, I've still decided I want to plan C-section because I don't know, let's just say for argument's sake, you've got um, pre, ex- I don't know, pre-existing conditions or whatever it might be. Right. Um, or I was even speaking to one of my friends who's due to give birth in a couple of weeks and because of the pandemic and because of things reopening and because of her partner um, having to go back to work on a specific date, which is basically her due day, she was saying, I think I might have to offer for a C-section because of COVID and because I had one before. And then at least I know he'll have two weeks of me before he goes to work. Otherwise I could give birth on the day he goes into work. <laughs> so, you know, having, I think having still doing the hypnobirthing, but a bit getting stuck in one of those situations, perhaps is still that the best tools I think. So I've, I've done it every time and it hasn't always given me, what I've wanted in the end, but I still feel like I've had very um, nice births, if you like, like not as idyllic as you're saying, but I do relate to that being in bed afterwards and being like, oh my God, I'm at home in my own bed. This is incredible. There's right. just nothing like that, is there? No. Um, uh, sorry, going back to your point, um, what was it like for you having your home birth? Like, did you have a similar setup? Yes. So, um, I, I did. So with Kennedy, who's my firstborn, who's nine now, Mm -hmm. um, I, I went into early labor at home and then when it was starting to kick off into, um, to progress into labor, we called the midwife and I labored at home and the midwife arrived with the, the um, secondary so the primary and secondary came together and I was able to labor between the tubs so I had a bathtub that wasn't huge but it just the buoyancy of the water felt really good during the surges so I would mm-hmm. stay in the warm water and then I would move and change positions it really just allowed me to have the flexibility to move as I chose to again mm-hmm. going back to sort of the traditional hospital births where you're hooked up to things you're being monitored just routinely so whether or not it's required or not you just have these routine um checking check-ins and management and monitoring Mm -hmm. it's very unlike that in a home birth so you have your midwife who really is hands off she's really just um there to facilitate the birth and to support you in that so i had free range to really come and go as i please into one position or the other from the water to a bed to the ground my clothes were fully off at the first, like at the first sign of the surges. I just was like, I just had, yeah, insurance, the bottoms and the underwear came right off. Just yeah. for, yeah. And you know, things that maybe you would feel a little bit more um, hesitant to do in a hospital setting or a little bit more. Yeah, exposing even like where you don't know if someone's just going to open the door. Yeah. Um, and yeah. all of that relaxes the body. So I'd never thought of that. Like, you're going to walk around naked in your own home, but in a hospital, whether they allow it or not, you're just going to feel like, even with the the windows are huge. Like, can you imagine? No. Um, Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. And you're right. Then it spirals into your mindset of being like less relaxed. Like that's right. Underwear on is almost weird when you're giving birth, but like that's your instinct. If you're dressed to have underwear on. (laughs) Like That's right. And to your point about hypnobirthing, they're tools that really, um, support you in labor and delivery, but also 
but also in the, the later stages of pregnancy and then postnatal as well, because it's breathing techniques, affirmations, and visualizations, all tools that really help you manage stress and fear. Mm -hmm. So when do we not need that? We always need that, right? 100%. I feel like, mm -hmm. especially in the context of like now, if anyone's pregnant and listening to this, I just think there's no better tool than hypnobirthing for like life, life right now. <laughs> like I still enjoy listening to my hypnobirthing tapes when I can't sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like all of those re relaxation techniques that you use, I think are incredible for... Um, as a life practice but particularly giving birth and particularly giving birth in these kind of stressful times where there's a lot of stuff going on outside of your control not that I've done it but just thinking about it as a concept mm. yes and the experience is very sweet the experience of it is very sweet so um you know there's just that correlation between mind and body and so if the mind is not at ease then the body creates it creates tension in the body so when we're able to come to a state of homeostasis and be able to ground and steady through breath work and visualizations and affirmations and the coaching through hypnobirth the hypnobirthing tracks then our body is able to come at ease better and it does the opening um, and the softening and the thinning that it's meant to do without our without our manipulation, without our management. And, and, and I just want to speak quickly too, to the correlation between that comfort that you get at, at a home birth that um, sometimes is, that can be a little bit easier to get into than in hospital setting. Because again, when you, I heard this analogy put on a pod on another podcast once that was to do with um, about uh, women's right in the birthing room. And essentially they were drawing a parallel to that if you were to have an intimate moment with your partner mm -hmm. and have, you know, want to make love with them and you had people surrounding you being like, okay, like, let's go for it now. Like, it's time for you guys to get intimate. Like, of course your body wouldn't feel relaxed. You wouldn't be enjoying the intimacy of and yeah. the arousal and the the connection of getting sexual like, so stiff. like I just am imagining so it now with my back like crunched right for most of us that would be the case we would feel very pressured and so our body would seize up it wouldn't be enjoyable you wouldn't have a natural enjoyment of the experience well childbirth is similar to that and um they also likened the birth situation to in the information that's provided to women is like very parallel to the me too movement in regards to it's not a real choice for women when you don't present them with options so if you only depict birth one way and that's how it's always seen then it's a false idea that we're actually choosing because we actually don't know what an alternative looks like yeah right, right. That yeah kind of makes me like really really think of the point that like we should all be offered it and then it's something you opt out of or you say no to rather than like you have to go find that yourself, especially as a first time mom. Um, how, how are you meant to just know that? I mean, I would never have known about it had I not had um, loss experiences before where I'd like delved further into like what the experience of birth was going to be and had like more time to kind of generate more of an idea on what I wanted that to be like. Um, yeah, so I think had I just had everything go smoothly from the beginning, I would have had a completely different outlook. And maybe I'd never have discovered it without someone else telling me or having all my children first and it being too late. Um, and I always think 
that Cub's birth was so great in a lot of ways through being at home that I really almost put pressure on myself last time to try and recreate it so much, but forgetting that they're two separate things right. where it was like going on for longer. And I was like, Oh, but like, where are you? You're meant to be here by now. And I think I probably got in my own way a bit, but what, um, what were your home births like in terms of like, were they quick? Were they long? Like how, how did they play out for you? Mm-hmm. They were, each of my births were um, active labor for about two and a half hours. So, you know, quick in, in terms of what births can be. Mm -hmm. Um, And they all fell within sort of close to that range of from active labor to delivery. Mm -hmm. Um, So to finish two and a half hours from, from active labor to delivery. Yeah. So early labor, but including early labor, it would have probably been closer to five hours between um, for all three in and around five to five and a half hours of, from beginning to delivery um it's so, quick really isn't it especially as a first baby to have within that period of time give or take is fairly quick it is understanding it is yes it is fairly quick yeah it wasn't so quick that it was um that I was sort of unearthed by it but it was it was I didn't endure um I wasn't in active labor for it's not like you was completely exhausted where you've been in labor for like days or women have had pains for days and then been tired before it even got going. If you know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. Those women are my heroes for sure. And I, and there certainly is a correlation between the length of my birth and all of the hypnobirthing and breathing techniques and the environment that I'd chosen and the birth plan and working with that. Um, and, and the length of my births, I, I have no doubt about that because I've had three daughters, um, three births that, that I, you know, um, that really, I guess that I, yeah, that I prepared myself in the same ways and, you know, really got into my center and found my truth and practiced the visualizations and the breathing. And, um, it really helped me to get into my birthing body. And speaking to my own experience, it's very similar where, although my births were like relatively, uh, quick in the grand scheme of things, Cub's birth was three hours start to finish wow. all home. And then um uh Briar and Bodie were longer, but Bodie was probably the longest epidural that didn't work, induced and so on. And with Briar, although um I think she just got stuck and things were quite slow, but I think in hindsight I went to the birth center really early because I was like, I need childcare. Um, and then, yeah, but everybody came out very quickly, but yeah, the home birth is like a whole nother thing where it was like, whoa, I remember lying in bed on a Saturday morning being like, huh? Did you just give birth to someone? Like, <laughs> it was just a blink of an eye like when I like retrospectively that now when I think of it, I'm like, that was mad. Um, but what, um, what, did you find most challenging about your birth? Like, was there a point in your birth where you was like, any of your births, sorry, where it was really difficult for you or do you really remember them as like quite idyllic um, experiences? I think um, in all of the surges, what, what we call in hypnobirthing, so what's also referred to as a contraction, we call surges in hypnobirthing, um, there, there certainly is management that's happening there. So you're, that's when I'm going into different positioning, my breathing techniques, my visualizations to manage 
the discomfort and the surges that are coming with it. So there's always um, that I, I've had the challenge, I felt the challenge of, of wondering to myself, am I going to be able to manage the next one that comes? Am I going to yeah. be able to, yeah, to apply the tools that I'm using um, again and again and again, and knowing that there is no, there's no timeline on when you're going to deliver. So that's kind of an unknown. So you don't know how many more surges you're going to have before you deliver. So I think um, that can be, that was a challenge for me is not knowing the end. I, and, um, and I would say that for the, for the, for, for baby number one in particular, that was presented as a challenge for me with the other two. I have sort of mindset then that it was just like really keeping your mindset in check the whole time to a hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I think it's funny, isn't it? Cause the one thing I really remember that correlates across all my births is that there was like a point and I feel like now I'm like, Oh God, why didn't I like think of it in the moment? Because it's so obvious looking back where I was like, well, a hundred percent can't do it now. Like I'm done. Like something terrible was about to happen. And then like literally one push or one surge or contraction or however um, you want to push it and they were out. And I think in hindsight, I wish I had, I wish I had the foresight, sorry, to know that that was a moment that you're like, no, you're okay. Like this is, this is means that it's happening. Um, Cause you really just want someone to go, look, it's five minutes and you're going to be fine. Um, but like no one ever knows that answer, do they? So, you know, you're never going to get told that. Although I will say my, amazing midwife this time did say to me um you're gonna do two pushes and she's gonna be out and it's gonna be hard and you can do it and just like essentially suck it up and do it and and I was like I do not believe you and then that is exactly what happened so right. um she obviously had the experience to like really have the confidence to tell me that and she was exactly what exactly what she said is exactly what happened or maybe <laughs> words are that powerful who knows like if you believe them enough, right? If in the moment someone says that mm -hmm. to you and you really believe it, that it's still possible. Well, yeah, you touch on, on really good points. I think that the exposure becomes your education or your experience. So um, what we're trained to see in hypnobirthing and what we are highlighting is that there is that key moment in um, that's common in majority of labors where a woman who's otherwise has been coping really well will say I can't do this anymore I need help and that's actually a good sign because it means they're about to meet their baby so we know to look at that as that they're transitioning and they're about to give birth if you're not trained to see that then that can be looked at as problematic and that could be when people start to go into high management and really start to um push course, correct, course correct or push that baby out or get really bossy mm -hmm. but we know that this is the baby about you're about to meet your baby this is the baby descending into the birth canal and you're about to deliver. So um, it is it is her experience of having seen that so many times. So as you said, so as you had so eloquently put at the beginning of our of our chat, that although there's differences between each birth, there's so many things that we can come together on commonalities. And that's one of them where um, with a vaginal birth where when you're otherwise coping really well and you get to that point of feeling, I can't do this anymore, that we often see that that's when they're when we're about to meet yeah. I do remember your sister telling me that um, when she was relaying um, Alma's birth, birth her most recent uh, baby she was saying that she remembers saying that and you was like no no this is it like yeah um, so I guess everyone at some point in their birth feels something like that yeah um, 
after how how was recovery after for you because obviously you've had three home births in your at home experience in recovery what what was that like mm-hmm. yeah so um the recovery was minimal i mean if if you want to say that i had um no no tearing with two and three and then just minimal tearing with the third so just a natural mm-hmm. um with the with the birthing just like natural tears of you know nothing crazy and so I wish I'd had essential oils then I did not have essential oils when I was birthing my own I didn't I didn't um I know I didn't integrate essential oils. I know I know and now it's part of my doula kit I do not travel without it as well as hypnobirthing as you said it really can help take those deeper breaths when you you know spritz a um a citrus oil into the air it helps that you know, the mom to really take a deep breath in and there's oils that can help to promote contractions coming on like clary sage or blends that help to ground and steady and take away anxious feelings. Um, it's, they're really a strong healing modal that I use in all of the births that I'm supporting, which I did not have on my own. So, uh, and they would be a part of my healing. Now I'd be using frankincense in my, with my, um, recovery in like right. vaginal recovery and, and how, how about like um like emotionally how, how did you feel after emotionally was that was that like easy for you or was there a lot of adjustment um my births my postnatally my adjustment to the babies were always easy mm-hmm. I would I found it was six months in with um baby one and two that I started to feel the baby blues about six months postpartum so and that and I've grown to understand that that's not uncommon so um directly after delivery and postnatal I I always kind of adjusted really well in that stage but then yeah about six months into it is when I would start to feel a little bit um disoriented or not myself and it's always I find the tiredness too like for me you know when everyone wants to help you like immediately after which is fantastic but it's like the six weeks yeah, like the six weeks, three months, six months, like I'm not mm-hmm. quite a six minute here mm-hmm. um, with Briar, but um, mm-hmm. they're like the, the culmination of tiredness and fatigue and hormones and breastfeeding, if you're breastfeeding or whatever you're doing is just like, can someone bring a meal around now, please? <laughs> I know, it's so true. I just remember being in, at Ikea with my sister and I just felt like that I was floating like I was it out of out of body I just couldn't I couldn't find solid ground and it, it, I couldn't really explain it but it was just yeah I, it just was just this disconnection it was for sure um hormonal and all the things you said the exhaustion the hormones the caretaking around the clock you know all of that stuff that was playing playing into it I feel like it's must be a very bizarre time for people to have a baby now for those reasons because I think it's very easy to feel disconnected at the moment to like life. I don't know about you, but I've had days where I've woken up recently um, and at the beginning of quarantine period where I was like, is this a dream? Is this real? Like, I don't know anymore. (laughs) This is very bizarre. And I think motherhood kind of makes you feel like that as well, particularly in the first sort of six, I don't know, anywhere between six months and a year. Um, yeah I think it must be really difficult to be like right in that period of intensity right now like I feel like I kind of just sneaked out of it or at least when it was affecting me um 
for this postpartum period, even though I've like had a newborn in some in some regard uh, during quarantine, but I really re resonate to the sort of floating, like what is going on feeling. <laughs> yeah, what is going on? Yeah, I think um, quarantine's a unique situation. So again, it, um, circumstances are so 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 unique that I would not uh, dare to paint one picture for every woman because yeah. we all we all we all experience and feel what we feel as we feel it. Quarantine can be a place of allowing yourself to ground and steady and to rest more because there is that um, obligation to limit visits, to limit interacting. And so you do give yourself a little bit more permission to just be with those close people, like your close unit, That's because it's point, right because it's imposed on you. So you don't have to have those conversations of feeling it's your obligation to entertain because, you know, everybody wants to meet the new baby and you feel guilty to say no. It takes all of that away. So it can be a very... Um, uh, enforced uh, fourth trimester kind of that's right in the nest it can be that under a weird backdrop under a weird backdrop but no you're right I have had that conversation with uh, somebody else on the podcast who'd said that she was like it's uh, she did hypnobirthing as well and she was saying about um, it was an imposed fourth trimester for her mm -hmm. um, after what was sort of like the single best things that people did to help you like whether it was recovery or while you was pregnant or just help you through that, that period of your life? Well, shout out to two of my closest friends, Kate Dougal and Elizabeth Smith, who were not moms themselves when I had my first daughter, this is nine years ago. Mm -hmm. And they had just the, the, like the knowing to come over as a weekly scheduled visit. So they would come every Thursday and they would bring meals and they would bring it to cook there. So we would have sort of like the kitchen table chat while they were preparing dinner. One of them would hold my baby. Like I could cry talking yeah. about it, honestly. Like it's, it's, I'm thinking like, oh my God, that sounds wonderful. Is that not the best gift you could give a new mom? Oh a my first God. time it, new mom? It, it really is, especially really is. where they don't have children to go back to, where it's like, we can really do this like, you know, wholeheartedly and not be like, oh, we've got 15 minutes and I've got to rush back for bedtime where it's like, that's we're right. really here for you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thing. It was the gift. That, like, I can't even, I, 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 I mean, I can't even, I, I'm just, I'm like, like I'm emotional, but it was, yeah, it was the fact that they were providing the, I didn't have to think about cooking those. I could, I came to rely that Thursdays. I didn't have to think about preparing any meals. Mm -hmm. I had someone holding my baby that was glad like not only just doing it as like a favor but she was getting something out of she enjoyed that so there was no guilt on my part yeah. to allow it and the company so don't underestimate also the importance of your presence for your friend who's just had a baby because it was also that social component that I'm just surrounded with baby now this is my new norm all the time and here I have this sort of component aspect of my old life of these single women that are coming to me and really recognizing that I'm still Aaliyah, but I have this new norm and they, and they brought that, that my old life to me on a regular basis that I could count on. It was really like, that is the best gift, your time, some food and holding the baby. Like that is it right there. Oh, that sounds yeah. so And they did that for about, about three years. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. Oh my God. That <laughs> for really about three years. And then they would continue. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. 
Actually, as I'm saying that, what's that? You need that, like a signed contract. Like I would be like, who wants to sign up to be my Thursday people? <laughs> and that's what women do for each other, right? I mean, we yeah. come together because a certain, essentially what they were providing was postnatal care. Mm-hmm. They were they were my doulas. They were my birth. I was going to say that. That's like the doula experience, but given to you as a gift by your friends. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with, with being a parent and having three girls, like what have they taught you? The girls have taught me to not take myself in situations so seriously, which I have a tendency to do. Um, I can, I mean, I'm very, people would categorize me as easygoing, but I'm actually very controlling and uptight. What I'm not is judgmental. And so I think people confuse my lack of judgment for being easygoing, but I'm very, I'm very uptight when it comes to managing my own uh, affairs at home and such. And my girls really remind me to like, I don't have to be so orderly and so scheduled um, and so precise about everything. Life just has a way of sort of flowing. In and I'm not, I'm a Leo. Okay. So maybe you're on the cusp or something. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a Virgo or do you have Virgo yeah. friends? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Virgo, but I would say I would describe myself in a similar way because, well, I'm, you I'm late, leader, but um, I, sorry, what did you say? Can you relate? Oh yeah. So like yeah. I thought I wasn't um how did you describe it? Um not like controlling or yeah. whatever. But but being in quarantine has made me realise that I completely was because I've had to let go of a lot of that because you know, three under three and a half at home and at points of this like literal newborn on my own. I say on my own, but like with the help of my husband who's working in our bedroom uh, like his office, if you will. Um mm-hmm that I've had to be like okay well that's not going to happen right now because you've just done this and you've done that and I can't like physically control you all right mm-hmm. have to, like unpack all this stuff but mm-hmm. I would have described myself to those things and then more recently I'm like oh maybe I'm not <laughs> so yeah it's uh I think you're right kids really do teach you that like you're not in control mm-hmm. they are or like nothing is that like you can't seek control in certain scenarios and of children is one of them unless I don't know if someone needs to tell me how to do it because I can't oh my god nothing treats you but nothing teaches you quicker and better that you are not in control than having children (laughs) I guess um Mm -hmm. people who are type a personality probably have a harder time um coming to terms with that maybe um and in terms of uh the finishing questions um, I loved one of the answers here, um, but I'll, st- I'll start with um, the mo- moments of motherhood that have made you laugh or that you've failed at and you've had to like, <laughs> had to laugh at as a result. And when I say fail, I don't mean that in like a negative sense. I'm more mean in like a, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening kind of, kind of way. That's a regular occurrence at our house. <laughs> my kids just make me laugh. I think it's the things they say and how they say it. My five-year-old is quite the ham. So she just likes to make funny faces or like put her arms together and shake her booty and <laughs> do funny things like that. My second born just makes me laugh at how tenacious, tenacious she is and how resourceful. She will literally prop up stools to get on a countertop to get to a treat that you've hidden behind things. And sometimes you just have to laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
or, or when they'll just say like, um, mommy, we, I, they'll take words that I've used and use them back and, them and use it to me in a way that like the context, it's just so funny. Yeah. And you just are like, oh my gosh, you're oh so funny. God. And you're right. I totally hear you on the, the word being called back at you. I think. Yeah. Cause you hear, you're like, oh God, that's me. You've learned that from and you sound like ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I must sound ridiculous. So true. Or today, um, it's very humbling. It really is, isn't it? And you're like, oh god, like I sound ridiculous because you've just repeated what I said earlier. Um, totally. The the a funny thing that happened today was we've just started watching Sesame Street, and then Bodie just like randomly came out with, "I have a predicament." And that was like the word of the day on Sesame Street, and it's like, "Mummy, I have a predicament." Predicament means problem. <laughs> And I nearly died laughing because I wasn't listening when he was watching it and he came out in another way and I was like, okay, what's your predicament today? <laughs> Sorry, baby. <laughs> like you're that's so cute. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah, that made me laugh from what you were saying. Um, and then my next question to you would be, what would you do with a day without sleep? Um, <laughs> and... Uh, sorry, a day, not a day without sleep, a day without your children not including sleep. <laughs> Can you tell I'm thinking about sleeping? I know, <laughs> totally. That's me too. Yes, I would, I would go to HomeSense. Oh yeah, that bit made me die. I was like, oh, HomeSense. <laughs> HomeSense, I would just go up and down the aisles of HomeSense and I would fill my cart and then I'd put everything back, but I would just like have a day. Yeah. And then I would read, I'd listen to podcasts, I'd go for walks, I'd go to my favorite store house and garden and pick up fresh flowers. Just the simple things mm -hmm. that I love to do without my brain constantly being rewired to a little one and just yeah. having my own thoughts, thinking my own thoughts. Isn't and that so important? I think when you have multiples, like that's what you start to really long for. And I don't know if you feel like this at the moment where you're probably with your kids more than ever, where that... I just want that like half an hour a day of like nothing, of absolutely nothing. Yes, yeah. my husband asked me, my birthday's coming up at the end of July and he asked what I wanted for my birthday. And I'm like, I want one week without the kids. Like, I mean, five days mm -hmm. of like what a school day, like a school week would have looked like that from nine to 3 p.m. I'm just by myself. He was like, well, that's just wishful thinking. I'm like, but that's what I want. <laughs> like, I just want... You autonomy happen <laughs> yes exactly and then realistically one day one day of that would be oh yeah I hear yeah. um what is the thing um that you really want that you're missing most in quarantine um that I really want that I'm missing in quarantine oh, like if I feel like for me um I'm actually doing okay with my day-to-day but obviously I'm missing connection with people. But like, for example, Mumnet would be something I was really missing because it was that daily connection to other mums with babies that I could do without other things right now, like, you know, going to the shops or whatever. But that would be if they said, look, you can have one thing back. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, I'm going to no. <laughs> What would yours be? The Mumnet? Yeah. Mm, that's so nice. I would be, it would be to have, to be able to be with my mom and my sisters in oh. close contact to spend the day with them and have you their see, you see them a lot outside of um this don't you you got you ladies are like you're in each other's lives all the time not just like for birthdays and christmas and stuff 
that's right. We're each, we're a network for sure of support and, um, powerhouse. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Yes. There's they certainly are my solid ground and, um, my squad. So mm-hmm. I do, I'm missing that. I'm missing the ease of which we used to be able to all meet up together and hug and connect and, Oh my God, hugging. Don't you miss hugging? Um, the, the other question I wanted to ask you, um, because most of this series is going to be recorded whilst we're like somewhat stuck inside. Um, like what has the setup been like for you and what has the challenges been like for you? The setup in being in quarantine? Yeah, like are you having to work or, um, mm. I mean, I'm guessing as a doula, you can't work quite how you was, but... Like how has that been for your family? Yeah. So our setup is that Ryan continues to work outside of the home. Mm-hmm. He is a tradesman and he works for commercial buildings. So he's considered an essential worker. So he's out of the house before the girls and I are even awake. Right. And then he's home about four, four thirty, 30 um, in the afternoon. So we, I try to implement a little bit of a routine during the day of the girls waking up, they get some TV time to start while I'm doing my medit- morning meditations with my essential oils. I do a guided meditation with Deepak and Oprah. I'm actually doing a 21 days to hope right now. Oh, nice. And that's how I start every morning is that I just sit up in my bed before my feet touch the ground. I put um, balance essential oil blend on the bottoms of my feet on my chest, I inhale it from my palms, and then I meet from my third eye to my crown chakra, and then I sit for a minute. Just looking, doing. Gosh, honestly, it is. I think I have balance. I'm gonna go do that after this. Do it. I urge you to do it. I do it throughout the day. It's really that olfactory connection too of that when I start my day with that and with my oil nut routine. Mm-hmm. Then all it requires throughout the day is that I have the aroma of balance. If I put a couple drops in my palms and inhale it, I go right back to that state that I was when I was doing my seated meditation. Oh, wow. That's how the factory works, that the aroma of it takes you right back to the experience you had when you smelled it. So it's a quick way to get back into a state of homeostasis and to find steadiness. So that's how I start my mornings that I sit up and meditate. The girls go down. They're quite capable now at nine, um, seven and five. So they're able to get themselves some dry cereal or a banana they're allowed to watch a show to start the day while I'm doing my meditation and making the beds. And then I join them downstairs. And then um, we just play a little bit, get casual, uh, have casual play time. And then they sit down for an hour of school each. I've been doing it that each of them come up to my room and, um, and sit on the, and sit at like a kind of desk and separate them. Cause we were at the beginning, I was doing them all three at the one dining room table and they would just get distracted. So yeah. They come up. They probably really like that one-on-one time with you as well. They do like that because I do sit with them to do the work. And when I say an hour, it's it's not an hour for each child. Really, it kind of it can it can come to about an hour each. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really just the setting them up with the computer or the books and and that. So that's we've been doing that. We're really um, I'm really easy on our on on all of us about implementing homeschooling because Mm -hmm. I'm aware that just because we have the time, that doesn't mean we have the capacity. And a, a friend of mine had put it that way, which I thought was absolutely brilliant that of course, all we have is time right now, but this is the new normal that we're, that we're trying to manage. And just because we have time doesn't mean we have the capacity to hold space, to teach three different children, three different um, ages, three different grades, managing the computer, which is extra screen time and all those things. So I'm really easy on that. The girls tend to like the activities that their teachers 
um, are sending. And so it's not a lot of fighting to get them to sit down and do it. If it was, then I would probably just skip it if I'm honest. And we would learn some other way we'd implement it in our, in our day of going to going for a walk or sometimes I'll just kind of quiz them on the fly and just say, spell cup, spell bat. And they will rhyme off words and they love that. Sometimes we just do that at bedtime. Yeah. And I'm fascinated by how well they can spell. Mm -hmm. So just making it super easy. Yeah. And I think people do forget that that's a thing, don't they? That people, well, not people, but children and people, you're, you're learning so much and they're learning so much from like life experience in your day to day life that it doesn't have to be like two times two is four and then keep repeating that or like just so, so structured. And I think learning to be around your family and like play and learn doing, and probably they're learning tons through being together as well. So yeah I don't know I think that's an amazing approach to have to it and great that they want to do it but like you say if they start hating it then it's nice to have that sort of preconceived idea that it's not the be all and end all and at the end of the day we're in a pandemic and I truly believe that everything will kind of come good after like some people have learned loads some might not have learned anything some people have thrived some people have survived and like Mm -hmm. well said no like I I don't think although I personally accidentally feel like I'm going through some sort of personal growth boot camp um in my house (laughs) on my own yeah like that's the goal I just think a lot of these things have like accidentally been happening to me Um, true it's such (laughs) a I don't know like I feel like there is a lot of growth and I think that's one of the things I've been thinking about this week like to our earlier conversation that um I hope that people are feeling growth even if it's in a really small way that when we do come back out together in the world that we can kind of make it a little bit better that's Mm. my hope anyway but I know that we're like somewhat in in this together and in the same boat that like obviously then it's, it's still not the same because I accept that I'm in a nice house with my family in a loving relationship I'm not being like tortured somewhere it's very different to um maybe tortured is extreme example but you know I'm not in like an unhappy marriage or Mm -hmm. a relationship or any of those other things other people could be going through or in poverty or not having any food or you know it's obviously not the same for everyone but uh, I just I think like you say you have to be hopeful and I'm sure doing the meditation that you are we all have to be hopeful that something something better is coming for us (laughs) yeah and I think you meet your experience where you're at I think that either we can't underestimate the importance of our mental health and our emotional well-being so like we had um fessed up to that we both tend to have uh, this tendency to need some control and order for us in this pandemic it can be easy for us to get overwhelmed with creating that so I think it's important to give ourselves permission to relax on that Mm -hmm. and the girls have taught me that you know I need to get out of my own way a little bit when it comes to structure and plans and sometimes it's the best case plans that are thrown out the window that actually make a better day one day one day my middle child yeah had said to me she was like this is the best day of my life and I was like that's what this is about you know she right you want to cry (laughs) I know I truly believe that there's a lot of kids who are in you know nice like happy families at this point that will look back and be like oh my god I had the best day of my mom and to Mm -hmm. your point you just said 
the days where I'm like, oh my God, like what is happening? Okay, fine. We're not having breakfast. We're just going to go do something else and we're going <laughs> to find somewhere to buy breakfast or you're going to have like a, the other day I let them have like a donut in the stroller. Yeah. <laughs> for like eight o'clock. I was like, whatever, I don't care. And it was like one of the best days, like you say, or I was like, oh, I can't be bothered to walk today. We just sat on the grass and they were running around like lunatics and pretending to build a campfire out of like pieces of grass. And they, yeah, and it was similar. Bodhi didn't say that, but I was like, oh, this has been great. And he was like, today is lovely. And I was like, yes. so, yeah, that's a, that's a really nice thought. And I'm sure you'll never forget that she said it. it's the best day of her life. Oh, and, and what really took, I took from it was that it was such a simple day. There was nothing particularly standout-ish about it. We hadn't gone anywhere like particular we weren't in Disney World or anything it was all the simple things we were all together we had been the rules a little bit we were going with the flow and for her that was the best day of her life so yeah um good reminder you were asking about challenges yes and I find it challenge challenging to run my own business which I'm the founder and creator of Mm molobaby.ca and I find that in running that and my business is very very much um, relationships. So I'm constantly talking to people and I want to give them my full attention. And I'm also answering questions all of the time. I'm always engaging over social media or through text messages or emails. I'm constantly in relationship with the people that I'm supporting. And so that can, that can really feel like a pull in two directions when I'm trying to be present with my girls and then feeling called to and passionate about connecting with my, with my clients. So that can be very challenging that I feel that I'm often getting reminded by my girls to put my phone away and I'm guilty of it I think that's one of the hardest challenges as a mother now like no doubt a business owner too because it's the only way to be connected now but it also makes you feel disconnected from like where you are at in that moment yes. um, and imagine doing that for for your business it's so hard to fully feel connected to someone through a screen although we've kind of got used to it it's still not the same obviously that's right mm-hmm. in such a personal space where like you know you're literally there in someone's most intimate moments um and then trying to get that connection through a little square <laughs> it's not the same is it <laughs> I know I know well I've, I've learned to um recognize that energy does travel virtually because I have <laughs> felt the connections I feel the connection with you in our discussion right now it feels very real and genuine and I feel like I'm really connecting to your story and you to mine I feel the same with my clients when we meet and have our consultations that we're still able to have and create that space where they feel heard and I feel like I'm communicating um which has been great but it's different it's different yeah it's definitely different but I think to that point too like all the energy that's been happening on social media this week and at different points in quarantine when it's been particularly intense or something changed in the news. Like I feel like I've always felt energy where I'm like, haven't seen anyone's or it's the same three small humans. (laughs) Um, But you feel like such a shift in like the overall way everyone seems to feel. So, so true. I think it really shows that we are a collective. Mm. Yeah. as we're socially distanced but we feel yeah we still feel everything that everyone's feeling whilst not having seen them Uh, and lastly before I let you go and relax and enjoy your evening 
um, oh my god, you, you what, um, sniffing your essential oils is just making <laughs> that so badly want to go and get mine. Oh, I should have <laughs> asked you to bring them. We could have done. Yeah, I should have done. Oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, I wanted to ask you more about your business and like, mm-hmm. you know, what um, what makes what makes what you do different or you know really just an opportunity to tell people about like what you do specifically in in um your business versus like if somebody's just thinking about getting a doula well thank you for that opportunity i think what's um unique about molo is that i do um create that supportive uh lineage throughout birth baby and birth bump and beyond and even before sorry not birth bump beyond bump birth and beyond yeah yeah does it come <laughs> exactly what we're, we're tired <laughs> yeah no i get it <laughs> yeah no i think it's it's that unique um relationship that we've created from um you know prenatally when the woman's trying to conceive um, and the support with the essential oils and the meditation. So really creating a, sp- a space so that you have come to a, to a place of steadiness and homeostasis so that you are able, because there's such a correlation with mm-hmm. our emotions and our body so that you can get into a place where um, you're most supporting yourself to have, to be fertile. And then moving through that with supporting through um, the doula and the hypnobirthing support and then postnatally as well, a continuing that relationship with essential oils. I think it's a unique relationship that you're garnering that trust from the beginning and then you have someone there all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. I think as well from like listening to you speak that it sounds like like a almost like whole package approach rather than like just coming in there at one point to like serve for like one small small purpose or not small purpose because obviously this is such a big thing in someone's life but yeah being like all encompassing almost that's how I like to look at it and yeah exactly thank you for uh, the synopsis it's exactly that <laughs> that's exactly so here imagine like part of me from this conversation is like oh I would kind of like another home birth but I just don't want any more babies to look after <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly if it didn't come with parenting <laughs> yeah. at the end we, right, exactly. So it's sort of that relationship building is very unique to Molo that you're creating mm-hmm. sort of that kitchen table relationship that goes through sort of that um, caretaking that I received from my two girlfriends early in my parenthood sort of starts before you've even gone into or become um, a parent yourself. You have you have that sort of friendship, that guide, that support system that comes all the way through with you. So a little bit of your, as I described with the friends, a little bit of your normalcy, your old life coming through with you into the new norm. Oh, that's a really good way of putting it. I hadn't even thought of it. Like, yeah, you're carrying, you're carrying yourself through uh, your motherhood journey, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I'll have to um, use all your tags and put them in the um, show notes so that people know where to find you if they want to use their services. And hopefully very soon we'll be able to like, be back out in the world to do all these things properly um i hope um but thank you so much for speaking to me and taking the time and um so generously telling me about everything and also speaking to this week's events because i feel like it must be very taxing and there's just so much intense energy going on at the moment around that that 
um, I appreciate you giving your point of view. So thank you. Thank you so much. And to answer, to circle back, which I didn't respond to before, mm -hmm. how I'm supporting myself through all that with essential oils is that I am implementing them throughout the day as a daily practice to ensure that I am using the plant medicine to bring me back to a state of calm and to peace. I calm and peace and to support myself emotionally and physically with the oil. So I use them at bedtime to help me relax. Cedarwood is an essential oil that I'm rubbing on my chest and then on my pillowcase. I use it on an eye mask to really get me into the zone of sleeping. I like two drops of that with serenity in the diffuser at night. And then I use my morning meditation and throughout the day. And I use the essential oils with the girls. So that's also a part that we were able to pull through as some normalcy in their routine because they were using essential oils prior to the pandemic. Oh. And so they know, they know to reach for them to support themselves. Oh, wow. That's such a good um, tool to have for children as well, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've been using them because prior to um, quarantine, I feel like my kids are constantly ill and they were super helpful then. And we've kind of um, yeah. continued, but I don't know, like a lot of things like you have a routine and it doesn't always happen, but um you're inspiring me to use them all again. And you know, that I'm going to be on the website being like, so I want to buy everything now. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I could say one thing, it's trigger. <laughs> yeah. If I could say one thing to you, even it's to leave them out where you would use them. So trigger habits, creating the trigger habits. So keep the oils where the kids can reach them. They're familiar with them. Use them in front of them, apply them to them often, not just to relieve yourself or alleviate a cough and a cold, but also to support yourself emotionally the one thing I've been doing as part of my daily routine at the moment is the lemon I love the lemon in water first thing in the morning it took me a while to remember that you could ingest them obviously if you check the right ones or whatever um mm -hmm. and yeah it's been a game changer and it's not the same as putting real lemon in there I don't know what that lemon is but mm -hmm. it's from the peel it comes from the rind of the lemon ah okay that's why yeah it's great and you great. need like nothing for it to feel like properly yeah, it's lovely. It's part of my my non-negotiables in the morning. <laughs> for you, that's a good practice to implement. I'm doing the same. Oh, you? Yeah. Oh, great. Yay! Oh well, um, I'll have to check out more of what you're doing with the essential oils. And um, yeah, you've inspired me to to take a bit more time to do that. But um, thank you again. I'll let you get back to your evening. Um, I've really enjoyed chatting. Um, it's been lovely. Thank, thank you. So much. What an honor. <laughs> No, I'll um once it's all ready and edited, I will um let you know when I'm gonna share it and stuff and send you the link and everything else. Thanks, Brandy. Uh, I will be in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank so you. Much. Lots of love. My first podcast. Yes, you did it. Yay. Um, you know, that was really great. Um I send everything to the editor, so she always like cuts out any um before and after or um Usually I don't really ask her to do much, but there's been occasions where like someone's had to run to the toilet or I don't know, whatever, so, you know, it's something that might, um, might need adjusting, but, um, no, I really appreciate you taking the time, especially this week when, um, everything is just so intense. So um, I think it's also nice to kind of speak to something when it's happening in the moment and not do it retrospective. So, um, and I needed something nice to do on a Monday night. So I appreciate it. Got I, really look, I really look forward to these um, chats with people. So 
thank you well, let's keep the conversation going yeah 100 percent. like i'm like i said i'm i'm dedicated to doing that and i think particularly now i'm feeling like there's not really anything else that needs to be said like no one no one needs to know what i'm eating for lunch or um and let's face it everyone's still inside like nothing that interesting is happening so if we can't um spend the time educating people and educating ourselves and kind of I feel like for me personally it's like prodding other people who've had the same lived experience to me to being like sorry the same lived experience as me to being like hang on a minute like are you really taking stock of what's happening mm -hmm. because I think if you've been kind of taught your whole life to like indirectly turn a blind eye then it takes more to turn your head and I'm embarrassed to say it's taken too much for me so when I see other people like being like oh I had a lovely uh, walk today I'm like really though like is that really what's going on in the world today like I know it's easy to live in a bubble in you know this very weird time we're living in but I don't think that's enough of an excuse to you know do nothing when people are like literally asking you very nicely for like the hundredth millionth time to help in their moment of need so I don't know that's my take on it whilst I appreciate it's really not about me um I hadn't until now realized that having a platform is like actually a responsibility as well because I've always thought until now that like having a platform is also just a bit of fun and didn't really think about how many people are listening to you <laughs> like whether it's good bad or otherwise or like mindless or really important so that's also been a learning curve um anyway it's uh I know I think we're all kind of learning on the job and it feels um, it's not all comfortable so no really not mm -hmm. and I'm an empath and, and very sensitive so I hold it all I hold I hold it all internally. So that's also yeah. too, I have to really work my tools because um, I, I would, I would also say it's so important not to deplete ourselves on our missions because we think we need to be clear minded and we need to be capable. And if we run ourselves ragged, then we're no good to anybody. It's interesting. You say that actually, because at the weekend I just felt like drained. Yeah. Drained. And like I had a migraine and I was like, Oh, I don't feel like I have the right to feel like this, but it was just like really, really draining. And yesterday Tim was like, Oh my God, like what's wrong with you? And then I came on my period and I was like, I think everything, <laughs> like, <laughs> the world, my body and yes. everything. And, um, yeah, I literally was like to him, Oh, and now I've got my period. And he was like, Oh my God. Yeah. That explains a lot. So <laughs> um, you're right. It's like, you can't, pour from an empty cup or whatever the expression is so the expression. yeah but yeah thank you for um thank you for everything and i better let you go um enjoy your evening with your kids or i don't know mine are in bed and i'm so excited to just have <laughs> an hour before i go to sleep so <laughs> oh my gosh well thank you again no, and let's give you a welcome call for essential oils oh yeah let's definitely like i would love to do that yeah. I feel like um, when you sent them to me, I was like really on it and I've kind of slipped and then I've kind of got back into it with the lemon and stuff. But yeah, watching you do it while he's on here, I was like, oh, I'm yeah. going to like zen out of the <laughs> sleep. <so." laughs> and I've, um, I've dedicated my Thursday evening this week to doing yoga because I never get to do it now. Everyone's 
that's always here. So maybe I'm going to make that part of the thing. My local studio is doing stuff to like match donations. So I thought okay. that's the day to do it. Um, so yeah, thank you. <laughs> Have a good evening. You too. Lots Take of love. Take care. Love to you. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I've enjoyed making it, I would love it if you would share, rate, review and subscribe. It means that other people can find this podcast as well, so so I am told, and it would mean a lot to me. Also, if you have any feedback, ideas or anything else you'd like to share with me on how I can make it better, um, I'd fully appreciate that. So give me an email at francesca at frannyandco.com also if you'd like to to apply you can use the same email i'm always excited to hear from you thank you so much bye bye